0: Let's thank the band for playing for us and leading us in worship. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Um, You'll see more about them later on. Uh, So today and tomorrow, we have, or tonight and tomorrow, we have um, our guest speaker is a guy named Blake, and he um, served with students for a number of years at the Village Church up in Dallas, and then he felt called by God to go back to, I think it's your hometown, College Station. And plant a church, and so any future Aggies in the building, you might run into him later on. Um, So he's our speaker, and we've been thinking and just, he's been thinking and praying through a lot what you guys need to hear tonight and also tomorrow, and so I'm excited to um, welcome, and you guys give a big welcome to Blake up here on the stage. Come on up, man. Appreciate you. All right, hey, uh, he did mention that I'm from Aggieland, and so I just... I don't know if we need to do like a prayer time right now because my Aggies are playing Alabama right now. And so uh, if you're a college football fan, uh, this, this thing is janky right here. Um, anyways, uh, we, we, won't, we won't do that. We'll just focus on you guys. Hey, but I'm, I'm super excited to be here uh, with you guys. But I want to I test out the room. Yeah, can I switch out? Gosh, you're a good man. Thank you, thank you. I want to I I fill out the room and just kind of see what kind of people we have in here tonight. Uh, how many of you are dog people? Raise your hand if you're like, I love dogs. You love dogs. Now, how many of you, you can put your hand down, I, I, how many of you are cat people? Raise your hand. I think she's a cat person. Okay, so we've got more dog people than cat people. Um, I'm going to be real honest with you. I, I'm a dog person. Uh, I, I love dogs, and uh, it's not even one of those things where it's like, yeah, I kind of like cats. No, I really, I really, ha- yeah, see how cute that dog is? Look at that cat. That cat right there, that cat right there is saying, I want to eat you. That's what that cat is trying to say. It's true. All right, y'all listen, 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 listen. There, there is actually, shh, hey, listen, listen. There, there is actually this uh, this theology about cats and dogs, and and here's, I'm going to explain to you why I like dogs and why I, I, do, I really don't like cats. So they would say that a cat, like you come in the house, if you've got a cat, you come in a house, and the cat looks at you, and the cat's like, oh, there you are. You're, you're here to serve me. A dog, on the other hand, though, you come home, and that dog is running up to you, he's like... I love you, what can I do for you, can I fetch something, can I, like, I just want to be near you, but like a dog sees you as God, and a cat thinks they're God. That, that's my dog and cat theology real quick. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real straight with you, Here, here's why, before I developed this, this theology on cats and dogs, uh, I, I had some bad experiences with cats, I'm going to be real honest with you, and I think I developed, listen, I think I developed a little bit of a fear Of cats, because when I was little, there was there was a family two doors up the up the street from me, the Seagerts, and they had the meanest cat in the world. Uh, This cat had no tail. Uh, I don't know how it didn't have a tail, uh, but that's probably why it was mad because it somebody stole its tail, somebody broke, kicked it off, cut that. I don't know what happened, but it didn't have a tail. And that that cat, his name was Boxcar. That cat would whoop every dog on the street. I mean, like tear them up. Like we would go and try to pet Boxcar. Not having it, that cat would like claw your little eyes, like right, just claw your eyes out. I mean, hated everybody. We we would be walking by, we'd be walking by their living room. We're walking by, and I'm just like going to the next room. I'm going to the kitchen to get me a snack, and all of a sudden, just from like out from under the 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 couch, like right, and it would just like scratch my leg. I'm like, I will kick you, anyways. So I just started hating cats. So fast forward, a couple years later, I, I go off to college, and there is a girl in our college ministry, in our church, and she has this cat, and she loves this cat, and all this stuff, and all of a sudden, we hear that she's at the hospital, and I was like, oh my gosh, we need to go check on her, her name is Jen, so we go and check on Jen, and I'm like, what happened, she's all torn up, like, cut up, like, puncture wounds, I was like, what happened to you, like, you get in trouble with some ninjas or something, like, what, how did you get so tore up, she's like, My cat like went berserk, and like I was trying to like take care of it, and it just like attacked me. And I was like, "Are you kidding me right now?" Like I know what to do with cats like that. Okay, like so I had all of these bad experiences with cats that I'm just going. It has shaped my view of cats. And so fast forward a little bit more. My wife, we get married, and she's like, "Don't you want to get a kitty?" And I'm like, "No, no, we're not getting it. We're not getting a cat. We can get 17 dogs, but we're not getting." A cat We're just not going to do it. right? Now listen, here's my point in all this. Here's my point. Here's my point. Our experiences in the past shape the way we view things. Does that make sense? Our experiences in the past shape the way that we view things in the present. And so listen, is anybody in here ever gone to a restaurant and gotten food poisoning? Anybody in here? Like terrible experience? Like, like, you went to that restaurant, you ate at that restaurant, and for the next, listen, for the next 24 hours, you're vomiting your lungs up. Anybody? Now, listen. Okay, shh, listen. If the next week your friend was like, hey, let's go back to that restaurant, you'd probably be like, nah, no, I, I don't ever want to go to that restaurant again. Mainly because I left my lung. I lost my left lung because of that restaurant. No, I don't. I don't want anything to do with that restaurant. Why? Because our past experiences shape our, our present feelings, our present reality, how we think about things. Right? Uh, anybody ever gone to a haunted house? Now listen, I love haunted houses. I think they're hilarious, and I, I think listen, I think that my my coping mechanism is that I laugh through the whole thing. I, I just I start laughing when I get scared. I think it's funny. I don't know. It's just weird. There's something messed up in my brain. But I've got friends that are terrified of haunted houses. And I'm like, hey, why? And they're like, well, because I went when I was seven with my dad and I wet my pants in front of everybody. Right? You you pee your pants in public, that's a bad day. All right? I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say that. So listen, here's my point in all this you listen, our past experiences shape our present view of things. But here's where this translates to spirituality in our relationship with God. Is that some of us in here have a bad or distorted view of our heavenly Father, of God the Father, who we just sang about. We have a very distorted view about Him because of maybe our earthly fathers. You see, I, I I don't just want to assume that everybody in here has the best dad in the world, right? That you go home, you tell him everything, you talk about everything, you just have this amazing relationship with your dad. Maybe some of you in here, you don't even know your dad. You, th- there's not a dad figure in your life. And, and I'm, I'm here to say that, that that past experience has probably shaped your present reality or your present view of things. You see, some of you... When we see uh, men or authority figures in our lives that don't treat us with respect and don't treat us kindly and don't love us and don't care for us and aren't generous, it shapes the way we view about God. You see, some of us, when we're singing these songs up here, we're going, oh, praise the name, praise God, he's so awesome, he's so great. Some of you are singing and you're like, that, this is weird, this is weird. Whereas some of you, man, you got your hands up, you're like worshiping, you're praising God. It's easy for you to make that connection that God is good. Because you can look back in your life and go, no, no, no. he was good here. He was good here. He was good here. He was good here. He provided for me here. He did all of these things. You see, there there there's several different views that we have of God. Some, Some of you think God is really mean. Like some of you had this view of God that he's just this big, angry dude up in the sky that's got like a big stick and he's just waiting for you to mess up. Like he's just going, touch her again, see what happens. Do do that again and see what happens. And he's just waiting. It's like for the shoe to drop, you're just waiting for God to discipline you, to punish you, that he's really punitive. Some of you here, have this view of God that he is completely absent. That you're like, yeah, yeah, I believe like the Genesis account that God created the world, but I think that God just kind of created the world, spun that thing into orbit, and then just like peaced out. He was like, I'm out, I'm, I'm just gonna go do something over here. And that God has some somehow, absent from your life, absent from your current reality, he's, he's just not involved. And you look at your prayer life and you're like, hey, I, I mean, I've tried to pray, but I feel like my prayers are like hitting the ceiling and bouncing back down, like nothing's really happening. Nothing's taking place. Nothing's changing. God doesn't answer my prayers. Maybe he answers some of your prayers, but he doesn't answer my prayers. You see, our past experiences have shaped our present view of things. Well, I'm gonna direct your attention, if you got your Bibles, to Luke 15, because what Luke 15 does is Luke 15 gives us a picture of, of God the Father, an accurate, realistic picture of God the Father. And so some of you, uh, if you're church punks in here, I think there's several of you, uh, you'll know this story. It's the, the story of the prodigal son, but it's really not about the son or the older son. It's really about the father. Look in verse 11. It says this, and he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And so the father divided his property between them. Now listen, some, some of you, you go to your dad and you're like, hey dad, can I get five bucks? Can, can I get some money for this? Can I get this? I, I've got a, you know, homecomings coming up. I need a new shirt or a new pair of pants or some new shoes. And, and so it's, it's, it's like a, a simple request. Let me be real straight with you. This request that this son just made was not simple. This request that this son just made was highly offensive. Because what he just said, he said, hey, I want you to divide your life and give me your... He essentially said, hey, I wish you were dead so I could have your stuff. I mean, can you imagine that? Like even today, some of you, some of you've got an inheritance coming. I don't know what you thought about that. You're like seventh grade and you're, you know, you haven't really thought about the inheritance. But some of you are going to get like a dirty pair of socks, one day right you're like your dad's gonna be like this is what I saved up for you all these years here you go right here's a shirt from the 70s you're welcome right some of you are gonna get uh, get a really sweet in here and you're like hey here's a cabin in Colorado congratulations right here's a lake house now, now can you imagine going to your dad at 15 16 and going hey dad can you just kick the bucket because I really want your stuff now like that would be so rude if I would have said that to my dad, I would have woke up the next week. You know what I mean? Like, like that, that's what my dad called time out. Some of you get put timed out by your, by your parents. or are like, hey, you need to go to time out. And you, like, sit in a corner. No, my, my dad would just, like, knock me out. That was time out for me. Okay? If I would have asked my dad for my inheritance at this age, it, it would have been bad. It, it, but what he's asking his father is literally to divide his life to give, he's saying, hey, I, I know we're an agrarian society, and what I need you to do is split your farm in half, sell half, half your cattle, your camels, your donkeys, your sheep, whatever, sell half of that, get the money out and give it to me. You see, this would have been a financial ruin for his dad. But listen, li- I just, it's just so simple here that his dad does this. It, it's just so crazy. It says, and he divided his property between them. Like even there, his dad doesn't put up a fight, his dad doesn't argue, He's, he just gives in. Now, now check it out. Let's see what the younger son's response. He gets all this money, gets all this inheritance. Let's see what happens. Look there in verse 13. It says, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Everybody say squandered squandered, squandered. That is a great word. If you use this word, if you use this word next week at school, you'll impress all your friends, right? You're sitting there at the lunch table. They're about to throw out their sandwich or their chips. And you'd be like, excuse me, are you about to squander those chips? Might I have those? Like you use that word. Everybody'd be like, oh, they they must be really smart. They'll be trying to cheat on you and test if you use this word. Now, listen, what this, what this word obviously means is that you would waste it. And this is what the younger son did. This is what the younger son did. He got all of this inheritance, man, who knows how much money. It, enough for him to travel, to go off to a far country, and to waste all of his father's inheritance. Now, listen, that's a pretty massive deal. So, one, he asked for his father to divide his life to get his inheritance, and then he went and blew it. Have you ever been, like, really in trouble with your parents? No, 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 no. No, I mean, like, really, really in trouble with your parents. I got a little story for you. When I was 12 years old, okay, this is the worst I I ever got in trouble. When I was 12 years old, my dad had a Jeep, and I learned to drive this Jeep, all right? It, It was a stick shift. It was red. It was awesome. We put a little stereo in it. It was such a cool Jeep. But when I was 12, I learned to drive this Jeep, actually before I turned 12. And so I thought I could drive this Jeep. I was like, I'm going to drive this around, whatever. And so me and two of my buddies got in my dad's Jeep one time and drove it down this road. We were taking off. I mean, I'm 12, okay? We're trying to pick up some chicks. I don't know what was going on. But we're, we're driving. I'm driving this Jeep. We're not wearing seatbelts. We're just hanging out, we got the stereo blasting, the top is off, we're like, this is baller, all right? This is awesome. We're 12, we're driving, this is amazing. Now what I didn't, what I didn't, you know how you you like go through all your checks, you're like, okay, do we have gas, Is, is the radio on, is the AC on, is this on, you're like checking through all the stuff. The only thing I didn't check was my dad had this thing called a tow bar, all right? And the tow bar was on the front of the Jeep, and it was like this triangle-shaped thing right on the front. And what we would do is when we'd go up to our—we our, have some land up in Central Texas about an hour from here. We would put that tow onto my dad's truck, and we would haul it up there. We'd haul it different places. And, and so what I didn't do is check to see if the tow bar was, like, attached up. And that was a key mistake Because what happened us, me and my buddies, we're cruising along, going a little fast. I'm 12, right? And so I'm driving a little fast and my buddy Mitch is sitting in the front seat and we're driving. And all of a sudden I'm driving, I'm going probably 30, 40, maybe 45, maybe 47 miles an hour. All of a sudden that tow bar just starts doing like this and falling down. Now I don't know if you know this, but when you run over something, when you're going like 40 miles an hour, that's gonna go real bad. And so what happened is we ran over that tow bar and then just started bouncing down the road. And I'm like stepping on the brake. I'm like trying to slam on the brake. The problem was we weren't on the ground. And we were bouncing and bouncing and bouncing and bouncing. Matter of fact, we're going and I'm just trying to like keep this thing on the road. All of a sudden my buddy Mitch falls out. I'm like, Mitch, ah! You know, he's gone. Mitch is dead. I was like, oh no. He's actually not. He still lives today. All right. So I'm like a week ago he's gone. We finally get this thing stopped. It was like 120 yards. We put these huge holes in the road where the Jeep is just bouncing on the road. Boom, boom. I mean, like I busted my head on the steering wheel. No seatbelt once again. Uh, We finally get stopped. The thing is, the the engine is hissing. Uh, the, The frame on the Jeep normally looks like this. It was like bent over like that because we bent up the whole frame of the, I mean, we had blown this thing I mean messed up bad all of a sudden I see my dad's truck turn on the road right behind me and he pulls up and he gets out and I have never no I'm just kidding I have never seen such a scary looking face on a grown man in my life worse than any haunted house I've ever been to I mean, I was like, I'm dead. I I literally turned to my buddy Chris, who was sitting in the backseat. His brother Mitch was laying in the road. Um, And I was like, I just turned to Chris, and I just said, hey, man, you can have all my stuff. Uh, It's been good knowing you. Um, If you could just stick around, because I'm going to need a witness, you know, that I'm going to get murdered right here in the street. (laughs) And my dad came up and was so furious, so mad. I don't even want to talk about what happened, like my punishment of that. Twelve years old, driving, speeding, no seat belt, and wreck his his Jeep, his beloved Jeep. Like, terrible, terrible. Like, I was like, I'm I'm going to die. You know what? My dad was the last person on the planet that I wanted to see right then. I'd rather see a cop. I'd rather see maybe an ambulance, maybe, you know, somebody, my mom, some friends, a tow truck, my older brothers, anybody but my dad why? Because I had ruined his his baby, his Jeep. He was fixing up and taking care of and washing and waxing and doing all these things. Like I had blown this thing. Listen, I'll tell you later. He, here Here's what happens to our, our, our younger son here in the story. Check it out says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took his journey in the far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. He wrecked his daddy's Jeep. Actually worse. It says, and he went and spent everything. A severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Let me just say, this dude had bottomed out. Th- this guy was a good Jew, and Jews, d- they don't eat They don't eat ham, they don't eat pork, they don't deal with pigs. They think from the Old Testament law, they're like, listen, pigs are gross, pigs are nasty, we don't touch them, we don't deal with them, we don't, like, he had hit rock bottom. Some of you understand that life. Some of you are like, hey, that's why I'm here at Connect Weekend, because I've actually hit rock bottom. This is the younger son. Look there in verse 18, or 16, it says, he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. But no one gave him anything. And then it says this, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. All right, so he, he's, got his, he's got his plan. He's like, listen, I'm gonna go back to my dad. I'm not gonna ask for, to be his son anymore. Like I don't, I'm not worthy of that. I ruined his life, but maybe I can go back and work for it. because even my father's servants are treated better than this. You see, this dude hit rock bottom. Have you hit rock bottom before? Like, have you hit rock bottom spiritually? And maybe you didn't even realize that it was spiritual rock bottom, but what happened is, is all of these things in your life just kept going wrong. Your girlfriend breaks up with you, you get kicked off the team, you got this problem at school, your parents are doing these, and all of these things are kind of, all of your sins, all of your consequences are kind of catching up to you, and you're just like, hey, I'm ready to dip out. Like, I'm tired of this life, nothing's going my way. You know, it's funny, that the Bible says we reap what we sow, and when we sow sin, and when we sow bad things into our life, we're going to reap those things. The world would call that karma. The world would call that karma. The Bible just calls it the consequences of your sin. Have you hit rock bottom yet? And have you added up all of these little things really point to your spiritual deficiency? You see, Romans 3.23 says, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. You know why we sang about those songs up there about God's glory? Because God is holy God is awesome. God is amazing. He's perfect. And let me be real straight with you. God's not asking you to be better than your neighbor or better than the dude on the news. God is asking you to be perfect. You don't believe me? Read Matthew 5, 48. Jesus said, hey, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Some of you are like, listen, I, I, I can't do that. Like, remember me? Rock bottom. I'm this dude. I've wrecked my family Jeep. I've squandered away. I've lived reckless. I've done all of these things wrong. I've just got all of these consequences that I'm living up to right now. You're the perfect candidate for God's love. Because let me be real straight with you. God sent Jesus to save people like you. It's why Jesus said over and over in the scriptures, like, hey, I didn't come for those people who think they are well or those people who think they're right with God. I came for the sick. I came for the unrighteous. I came for people who are needy for change. Have you hit rock bottom yet where you go, hey, I've blown it. I've tried all of these things and none of this is working. Check it out. This is where we get into who God the Father is. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. He says, And he arose and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt anger. No, it actually didn't say that. It says his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Listen, can I be real straight with you? That day that I wrecked my father's jeep, that would be the last thing that I was expecting, is my dad to run. If my dad started running at me, I would have turned the other way, turned into Usain Bolt and like taken off, right? Like sub 100, 100-yard 100 dash. I mean, I would have bolted from that dude. Can you imagine? You're coming back. You just squandered all of your dad's, ha- half of your dad's living, I mean, almost to financial ruin, and you see your dad running at you, I'd have been like, okay, here we go, right? I mean, we're gone. I would have taken off. But instead, his dad is looking for him. His dad's standing on the porch, like, looking in the distance, looking for him. And he comes to him, and he embraces him, and he kisses him. And listen, the kind of kissing that they're talking about here is like profuse kissing, like gross kissing. You know what I mean? Not, not just like, not just, you know, I don't, I don't know if, if anybody in here is Italian or you got Italian friends. Uh, I love my Italian friends. Uh, w- one of my Italian friends, his mom always kisses me every time I see her. We, we do the whole thing, like you know, like the, the little side cheek kiss, you know? Like, like they just kind of kiss all the time. I don't even think that's the kind of kissing. I think it's just like shugs all over the face. Now listen, I'm a dad, and so this is going to gross y'all out, but you'll understand when you become a dad. I, I would play this game with my, my kids all the time when they were little where I would just, we, we, call it the Shuggy game, where I would, like, tackle them and wrestle them around, and then I would just hold them down, and I would just kiss them pretty much till they peed their pants. And it was awesome. Like, I love that game. Uh, we don't do it as much now because they're older, um, and they don't really like that, especially in front of their friends or when I'm dropping them off at school or whatever. That doesn't go very well. But I would, just, I would just hold their little fat, chubby faces, and I would just, like, kiss all, like, On their head and their nose and and like eyelid, I would like get my mouth over their eye and just like start sucking their eyeball out. Is that disgusting? Maybe I don't know. But listen, shh, shh. I say all that because what I want you to see is the father's incredible love for his son in this moment. Like you're expecting like a like a rear naked choke. Maybe an arm bar. You know, something that he's going like, to sub him out and like cease to exist. He's going to kill him in this moment. And yet his dad jumps off the porch, runs at him, and embraces him and kisses him. Hey, can I ask you something? Have you ever experienced that kind of grace? Like, have you ever experienced that kind of love when you completely blew it? I mean, completely blew it in every sense of the way, and still were loved and accepted. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I've got one son. He's, he's 15, and he'll be here tomorrow, actually, so you all get to meet him, and you can ask him about sugie games and all these weird things that I'm talking about. Um, he's like, that's gross. No, I've tried to block that out. I'm actually in counseling for that. Thank you for bringing it up. Don't bring it up to him, but anyways... Uh, he, he was just, he was going to school And he was just being a little turd I'm just going to be honest with you I don't know if I can say that at Temple Bible But he was just in that weird teenage, right Where mom and dad are dumb and everything And his teachers at school were all idiots And everybody was out to get him And he was getting in trouble at school And he wasn't doing good at, at, in soccer And it was just like, he was just mad And he was just angry at the world And he was, he was just being a little turd Like he wasn't obeying He wasn't following along Like he just, he was just not doing well and my wife and I had kind of had it up to our ears, like, just dealing with him. Like, I was like, do you, I, you know, we're, we're talking at night, and I was like, do you want me to just kill him? And I mean, we could, we've got three other kids, they're awesome. We could bury him in the back, you know, and she's like, no, that's not very nice. And I was like, oh yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so he's just, he's just struggling. And, and, and right then, his birthday was coming up, his birthday was like in about a month and a half, and, and, uh. We were going to get him his first iPhone, right? He was all excited about his iPhone. He's like, all oh, my friends have phones. I don't have a phone. He was doing that whole thing. Uh, I know none of y'all would say that to your parents. But anyways, so we're, we're about to go out of town, and, and we actually had this deal where, like, you know how, like, Apple tries to, like, woo you in? They're like, if you buy six iPhones, you'll get a seventh one at $300. I mean, some kind of deal like that. And so we ended up getting him a phone, and my wife was like, I think we need to give it to him. And I was like, you know what I want to give to him is one of these right here, right in the kisser, right? I was like, that's what I want to give to him. Maybe a choke, you know? And she was like, no, no, I, she, my wife's a lot more godly than me. And she goes, no, I think we need to give, give him this phone. And I was like, do you not realize, like, what a little turd he's been? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, do you not realize what, do you not remember what he said to you last week when he, disrespected Do you? Do not remember him getting in trouble at school and trouble here and trouble there? Do you not remember that? And she's like, yeah, yeah I, I know. But I think what he needs to experience right now is grace. Do you know what grace is? Grace is unmerited favor. It's you getting better than you deserve. And so I was like, okay. I was like, we can give it a shot, right? I mean, we can always go back to my plan and just kill him, you know, if he does something, you know, whatever. And so we pull him aside. He's kind of got this little smirk on his face, like, you know, kind of got his eyebrows down. He's like, what do you want? You know, like that. And we're like, hey, you know how you've been getting in trouble at home? He's like, yeah. You know how you've been getting in trouble at school? Yeah, so? You know how you've been getting in trouble with your coaches? and? The, yeah, so what? You know, he's all, <laughs> he's all angry. And we're like, well, we wanted to, we wanted to do something for you. And he starts like looking at me and see if I was going to choke him, sneak up on him or something. And uh, we just slid this box over to him. And he's like, what is this, a bomb? I'm like, yeah, dumb, dumb, it's a bomb. I'm going to sit here and blow myself up with you. Stupid. Anyways, he, he grabs this box and he... He kind of unwraps it, and he, he you know how, like, when, when you're opening a present, like, you, you crack part of it, and then you're like, oh, I know what this is. And he kind of opened it, and he kind of stopped, and he kind of looked up at us, and he had, like, a corner off of it. And he was totally confused. And he opens it up, and he gets this phone, and he's just completely shocked that we are giving him an iPhone. Especially because we just told him what a turd he's been for, like, the last month and he was like, I don't get it. And we were like, this is grace. You don't deserve this phone at all. But we love you. And we're for you. And we want to show you grace. You see, this, this isn't just some crazy parenting move. We actually learn this from, from God. Because in Romans 2, 4, it says, it is the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. You see, some of you are just waiting for the shoe to drop. You think God's really mean and really he's got that big stick. And if he bops you on the head enough that maybe you'll turn around. And you're just kind of waiting for the shoe to drop. You're just waiting for God to, like, take you out, you know, choke you out, whatever. And what God's saying to you through his scriptures and through this story specifically is he's going, hey, I love you and I want to pour grace out on you because it's his kindness that leads us to repent from our wicked, sinful ways, and actually turn to Him. And For some of you in here, you're going, that didn't even make sense. Why? Because we live in a world where where you get what you deserve, right? You go to practice, and you obey the rules, and you get the favor of the coach, then you get to start, then you get to play, you make the grades, you get the good report card, you do all these things, and you earn your way in. Can I be real straight with you? You cannot earn your way into heaven. You don't. Like, there's nothing you can do. Nothing. It's not like God's sitting up there with a big chalkboard, and he's like, oh, went to Connect Weekend? There's another stripe for you, right? And he just puts a big mark up there. Oh, you wrote your, you know, brought your Bible. Good job. And and then if you get enough marks, then you get into heaven. You know why that's not the case? Because God's demand is perfection and holiness. And none of you fools are perfect. And I'm not either. I- I'm not either. It's why Paul would say in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, is by grace you have been saved. Not of your good works. Like you can't do enough good things to get into heaven. You can't. But what you can do is you can receive Jesus' good works on your behalf. You see, Jesus has gone before you and done all of the good that you could possibly do to earn your way into heaven. You just, you, you have this really terrible exchange where he gets all of your bad things and you get all of his good things. Can you imagine that standing before a holy God on judgment day? Because the scriptures are real clear. Everybody, let me just tell you this. You may not know this everybody in here is going to die. Hopefully not tonight. That would be tragic. But everybody in here is going to die. Listen, and the scriptures tell us that we're going to stand before, a, before judgment, before a holy God. And listen, I think God's kind of up to date on technology, and I don't know if he's going to have like a, a video screen, you know, like 4K or whatever. Maybe it'll be like 27K. I don't know what it'll be. But he's going to I feel like they're just going to be like, go ahead and hit play. And they're going to hit play, and they're just going to show you all the terrible things you've done in your life. I don't know if that's true. But where essentially you're going, hey, I, I'm guilty and I don't deserve heaven. What I deserve is the wrath of God. And then I get to stand up there and go, oh, I, I know I did a bunch of really bad stuff, but I'm friends with Jesus. And Jesus told me one time that if I give my life to him and and trust him and believe in him and confess my sins to him, that he takes all of my bad stuff and I get all of his good. And then a holy God goes, come in. It's grace. It's grace. You know the coolest thing about grace? Is that God continually gives it he didn't just give it one and done. He, he doesn't just give it the day you get saved. He, he continues to give it. We have a picture of that here. Ch- check it out. Verse 21. He says this. The, the son, remember, remember the son had something to say and he rehearsed his lines. He's like, Father, I'm not worthy of you. I'll go and be a hired servant. Remember all that? Remember he, he rehearsed that? Look at 21. He says, and the son said to his father, who's kissing all over his face and sucking his eye. I, don't know, I just made that up. That's not actually what happened. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, the father just interrupts. He's like, yeah, 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 The father interrupts and he, he calls the servants and he says, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his hand. Bring shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat. Let us celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to party and get crazy and celebrate so hold on his father ran off the porch jumped hugged him kissed him wouldn't that be enough like if you had just taken your father's life cut it in half and almost brought him to financial ruin and he responded in that way and just hugged you and kissed you wouldn't that be enough but see, God the Father says, no, no, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to give you the best robe. You know what a robe is? It's a sign of position. It's a sign of position. And he gives a ring. A ring in those days signified authority. You think about a signet ring. And then he gives him shoes because slaves didn't wear shoes, but sons wore shoes. So he's given him his place back in the family. And then he kills the fattened calf, and he's like, hey, listen, we're going to party. We've been saving this calf over here. It's the fattest calf we got. I mean, it has the best steaks. And and so we're going to kill the fattened calf, and we're going to throw the biggest party, and we're going to invite everybody around to come eat. This is grace. Like, this is a picture of God's grace on your life. That he loves you, and he continues to pour out grace, and pour out grace, and pour out grace. Now listen, Romans 6, Paul says, hey, are, are you going to trample on grace? And some of you in here, you, you know that God is a gracious God. And so what happens is some of you, some of you go, well, since God's going to forgive me, I'm just going to do this anyways. And he says, if that happens, you, you don't really get grace. You see, grace should turn our heart. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so when we receive grace, when we receive the iPhone, when we receive the ring and the robe and the the shoes, when we receive the fattened calf, that it would so fill our hearts up with love for God that we would no longer want to sin. But we would want to please God. You see, the the difference with grace is that some of you in here are working for your salvation. You're trying to do enough good things. You're trying to go to church, read your Bible, be better than your neighbor, be better than the people at your school because you're so working for his salvation. Grace flips that on its head. You see, we don't work for our salvation when we get grace. Now we work from it. You hear me? You see, I'm not over here trying to gain God's approval and gain God's favor and gain acceptance. I already got it in Jesus Christ, amen? So now, now I do all those things. I get up and read my Bible in the morning because of the grace of God. I I don't sin. I try not to sin. I try to be righteous and pure and holy. Why? Because I've experienced the grace of God. You see, we don't work for the grace of God. We work from the grace of God. Have you ever experienced grace like this? Have you ever experienced forgiveness? Like, have you ever like sensed in your spirit that God says, Hey, I forgive you. You can move on. I want to show you a, a real quick video. Are we, do, we, do we have it kind of ready? And I, and I want to set this up. Because this is one of the best pictures. Because some of you all still don't really understand this idea of grace, understand this idea that God can forgive you. And just a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half ago now, in Dallas, Texas, uh, there was a tragedy that happened. There was a female, a white female police officer that was looking for a suspect in this apartment complex. She bust into the, the wrong apartment and shot the wrong dude. And can you imagine? I mean, like, uh oh. I mean, massive, massive problem. She was arrested. She was indicted. She's going to jail. And in the middle of her sentence before the judge, her, the, 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 the man that she kills, her, his brother gets up on the witness stand and, and just begins to talk. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone killed my brother, my innocent brother, I'd be pretty ticked. I'd be pretty angry. I, I would have some vengeful things to say to her and, and some angry words for her. That's not what this young man says to her. So I just want, this, this video is like one minute long. But I want you to watch this, and I want you to see what he has to say. Here we go. Compassion, grace. Yes. Whatever you call it, in a hushed courtroom in oh, Texas you, tonight. you got to back that up. Can you back that up? 18 years Can I give her a hug, please? Compassion, grace. Yes. Whatever you call it, in a hushed courtroom in Texas tonight, we witnessed it. 18-year-old Brant Jean forgiving Amber Geiger, his brother's killer. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. <laughs> I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. This unlikely ending, perhaps the biggest surprise in a case that captivated the nation for more than a year. Geiger, the former Dallas police officer convicted of murdering 26-year-old Botham Jean in his own home. When Brant Jean hugged her, a lot of emotion poured out of her. I think the healing process hopefully is starting to occur in her now. That young man is 18 and he is a... Can you imagine that you just killed somebody's innocent brother and that's the response that you get? in front of the judge who's indicting you, that they're going, hey, listen, I I don't want you to go to jail. I I want good things for you. I want you to have a a long life. I I want, I, I forgive you. I love you. And they would come down out of that witness stand in front of friends and family and accusers and all these people and just embrace you. Listen, that's a picture of the gospel for you. You see, you didn't kill somebody's innocent brother. What you did with your sin, the Bible says clearly over and over that your sin put Jesus on the cross. Even if you just sinned one time, you put Jesus on the cross. Like he died for your sins. And he was completely innocent. Completely holy. And it's not just his brother, but it's his dad that comes down and says, hey, I love you. And I forgive you, and I pardon your sin, and I want you to have a life, and I want you to have a future. This is what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. That's grace, and that's the gospel. Is that your picture of God the Father? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the story of Luke 15. Thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for these students and, and their attention tonight. And I, I pray for two groups of students in here tonight. I, I, I pray for the church punk kind of kids that are just sitting in here and they're just like, man, I I, I am better than all of these kids. And they have like this spiritual pride that, that they're going, I, I don't need grace because I'm trying to earn it. That they would just see that their sin and their shame and their need for the gospel as well. And then I pray for our other friends in here who, who, who maybe are just coming and they don't know God, they don't know the gospel, they've never heard about this grace that's offered to them, this forgiveness that's offered to them. I pray that that would be real tonight. And if that's you, here's how you just begin a relationship with the God of heaven. Romans 10.9 says it real clearly that if you believe in your heart, And confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You will be saved. And so you can say that there's not some magical prayer that you pray. There's not some, you know, specific thing. You just got to go, hey, God, I I believe in you. I, I am a sinner. I've done bad things. And I need you to save me. I need your forgiveness for those things. I need you to wipe the slate clean and restore me and make me new. And God, I pray that you would do all of that and more. And if that's you tonight, and, and you, you want to begin a relationship with a, with a holy God, you want to begin a relationship with the gracious Father. Everybody's eyes are closed, their heads are bowed. Would you just raise your hand and go, I need that. I need to connect with God in that way tonight. It's awesome. Thank you. The same grace that the Father has in Luke 15, he has that same grace for you tonight. So I'd encourage you to tell somebody, tell one of your leaders, tell your youth pastors, just go, hey, I connected with God tonight. I received his grace. I received his forgiveness. I want to be made new. What happens now? I want to be transformed. God, we thank you for the work that you're doing through your Holy Spirit tonight. I pray that you would continue to move. I pray that you would shape these students into your likeness. That you would make us new. Make us like your son, Jesus. We love you and we bless you. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.